Thank you, Noah, for helping me. I'm thinking, these jokes are pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing what's on the screen. It's all good fun. Right? We're going to run right into the Word today. Why don't we bow our heads, just have a word of prayer as we look at the Scripture this evening. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for these moments that we share around you. So God, I ask for both clarity and unction on delivery. In Jesus' mighty name, provoke us, transform us by the power and the work of the Spirit of God we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me quickly to the book of Hebrews. It's going to be in chapter 5, starting in the 11th verse. That's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hopefully, you brought the word. Who still carries an old book around? Who's got the book? Come on, raise your books. Come on. All right, all right. Come on, I love it. Now, who's using an iPad? Don't raise it. Whatever it takes, you know, you bless America. You've got to move it up with the hard copy. You know, you just got to sell it. Let's get right into it. That's Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 11. I feel like my voice is really mid range. I hate to be a prima donna, but if you could put some treble. I would be much. <laughs> Give me some treble. I need a rap song right now. I feel like I'm rapping this message after looking at those pictures. <laughs> Christian, where did you get that cross? That's screwed up. Awesome. My grandfather. <laughs> I feel like that would complete this outfit that I have on today. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Here's what the writer of Hebrews writes. There is much more we'd like to say about this. Don't worry about this. We'll get to that. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and see not to listen. You have been believers for so long that you, are te- that you should be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babes who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives only on milk is an infant and does not know what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, my quick observation of this text, now, let's just be clear about this. It's not, we're not real certain, I say we like I'm a theologian, a theologian, yeah, okay, tongue twister. I say we as like I'm counting amongst the uh, theologians, but I'm really not. But if you do a study, it's not really clear on who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, there's like five characters could be Apollos, could be Paul, they say some say Luke and stuff like that. It's not really important, but I just thought I'd add this because I'll probably reference Paul a lot in my message and say that he was the writer. Just because a lot of Paul's writings in the New Testament, now keep in mind, Paul gave us what, 33 books of the New Testament. He's a pretty heavy, pretty significant fella in the NT. Someone say amen. Amen. Okay. And so when I look at the book of Hebrews, I see a similarity in the writing and the content of other writings that Paul gave. So I lean, and many other people do too, that this is Paul who has given us this word. And another thing in my observation of both chapters 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Hebrews, um, the writer is teaching about Christ, our great high priest. In in essence, when you look at both chapter 4 and the first half of chapter 5, you don't see that in any way 
Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, see, I'm already doing it, delves down the message for these people, given their spiritual state. You understand what I'm saying? You understand, Paul just said, listen, in verse 11, he threw a humdinger, he threw a curveball at these people after giving them uh, a message about Christ, our great high priest. He says, listen, there's much more I'd like to share on this particular subject. But given your dullness of spirit, given your spiritual state, I cannot. And so my observation is that Paul didn't really dumb down the message prior to saying those words in verse 11. He, he really went in depth in light to other uh, New Testament scriptures that talk about the same issue that Paul gives. You understand what I'm saying? So Paul in no way, let me just make it simple, Paul in no way dumbs down this message because of the spiritual condition of this Hebrew people. He just decides to use it as an opportunity to confront what? Their dullness. The new, uh, sorry, the King James Version reads it like this. Ye, ye, don't you love the King James? Aren't you glad that we have the translations? Someone say glory. The King James writes this. It says, ye have become dull. The Greek defines the word dull as hard to move. This implies, the King James Version implies that once, when first enlightened, they were earnest and zealous, but somewhere along the way, they had become one. They had become the Holy Spirit. They had stopped listening as Paul goes on in the text. So the writer here, in this specific, specific verse, tries to wake up or warn these Hebrew Palestinian Christians of their what? Their dullness of spirit. Are you following Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it like this, hallelujah. 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 Some of you got it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so Paul again confronts the Hebrew people of their dullness. He confronts them and says, listen, uh, you are dull of spirit and you have stopped somewhere in your walk, in your pursuit of Christ, in your pursuit of knowledge of Christ. You have stopped listening. How many know that there's a big difference between hearing and listening? Man, if you're hearing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly where I'm going. If you got kids, you even more so know what I'm talking about. In my house, Abram has developed what I call, I, I believe I gave him an impartation of this, but um, because my mother accused me of the same thing, but he has what we like to call in the general household selective hearing. And it kind of goes like this, Abram, you want to help dad clean your room? And this blank stare, this kind of corpse-like, if there is a word, uh, zombie, apocalyptic, whatever, just, just blank, nothing's there. It's like, Abram, do you want to go clean? And in two seconds, I could say, Abram, you want to go get ice cream? And it just, the spirit of the Lord enters and it's like, whoa, there's something on that dad. Yes! There's a big difference between hearing and listening. Isn't there us fellows who are married? I know for myself when I'm just hearing my wife, when she gives me the list of things that need to be done around the house, the bills that need to be paid, the things that need to be done, 
I love this. She's always, she's like a calendar. She holds her life together. Because, you know, when you start pastoring, man, you've got to eat dinners. You've got to go out. You've got to just break bread. And I love it. Listen, I love it. But I could not, in and of myself, keep that all together. So thank God for my wife. But I know she's giving me the schedule of the week or the days that I can really listen. Why? Because as life gets busy, I'm like, honey, why did you schedule this on Friday? You know I don't want to do this. Oh, you, did you see what I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday? Did you say, I want just some downtime? She said, Daryl, I told you this about a month ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> see, I was just hearing my life rather than really listening. Because I find when I listen, it adheres, it sticks, it changes. It kind of, her scheduling, our, uh, our evenings, or her, our dinner dates become, you know, in me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, that's right, but you didn't say that. So there's a difference, again, between just hearing and listening. And you know, Paul points out in this text that these people had walked with the Lord for some time. Doesn't he? Listen, let's just go back to the text here. He goes, in verse 12, you have been believers for what? So long. You know one of the dangers of being a believer for a long time is? Starting to develop, uh, 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 if I could say, and I hope this makes sense, but starting to just develop or adhere to just hearing God rather than listening. You just begin to become kind of callous. And as the Greek word defines uh, the, the word dull here, you become hard to be moved. Nothing moves you. Nothing penetrates you. You just, you're kind of like, uh, you know, if, if there comes, and if you're not careful, a time in your walk, if you've walked the Lord, how many have walked the Lord over five years, Richard? How many have walked the Lord over ten years, Richard? If, if, do you agree with what I'm saying? That the years go on, there seems to be something that dulls your sense of hearing dulls your sense of listening to the voice of God where every word spoken either from the pastor or the prophet or whoever it is speaking to your life becomes very familiar and like, oh my God, I've heard this before. Oh my God, we'll pray this again. Jesus, come on. But you know what I'm saying? Words just become familiar and they have no more impact on you. They have no more, uh, they, they, they've lost the ability to move your heart into the things of God. Can I get an Amen. Two of you. So Paul is going out and said, listen, you guys have walked with the Lord for a long time. Walked with the Lord a long time. But it not only points out the fact that they had stopped listening, he points out the fact that they ought to have been teaching. They ought to have been doing the work of the ministry. How many here feel like you are just years behind? Don't raise your hand, please. That doesn't be awkward. But how many here? Okay, I'm going to take this off because it's just a morning. <laughs> But how many here, let me grab the message again. Spirit just left as I took the jacket off. I didn't even remember what I was saying. Was that good, right? Years, years, years. years and years. And years and years. years behind. She left the jacket off. Oh, that's right. So Paul says, listen, guys. You, sh you should be teaching. You should be ministers now. But you know what? You're not. So there was something wrong with the amount of years these believers were following Christ. And where they were currently, there was something terribly wrong. And, you know, now being in the ministry 13 years, six of those years full-time, 
But working with individuals, the one thing that I hear constantly comes up, I'm just not in the place that I know I should be. Well, friend, my charge to you is when. When and where will you finally get into that place or get into that group that moves you towards the things that God has called you to? So Paul's pointing out, listen, there's no more excuses. You are old in the spirit. You should be mature. But yet, but yet, you are infants in the spirit. You have become like babes, and you can't handle it anymore. And again, listen, I think Paul went into great depth in this passage of scripture. He didn't hold anything back, but he decided to point out something that was in error in these people. Now, Paul puts an emphasis in the next chapter, starting at verse 1, we'll just read chapter 6, verse 1. He gives an emphasis here on growing in the knowledge of the Lord. You see, what they had done, what these Hebrew people have, had stopped was their growth. Their growth in understanding Christ. Understanding Jesus. And Paul, we know, he put a, what, he put a huge emphasis on growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is. I mean, have you read Philippians chapter 3? Let's see what he says here. And just to point out what he uh, just goes along here in verse 6 to further drive the nail if you would in the coffin. I know that's not necessarily easy to hear or receive, but this is, let's go. Verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews. He says, so let us stop going over what? The basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become what? More mature in what? Our understanding. Let's turn over real quick, if you would, the famous chapter about growing in the knowledge or the priceless, priceless value, excuse me, of knowing Christ. Chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. Here's Paul again. Just to highlight, the, and, and this is just one chapter. Listen, some of this message is just going to us be like tracking through scriptures and seem really boring, and then I hope to engage you towards the latter. So if you could just, you could just track with me as we go and as we uh, uh, indulge ourselves in the Word of God. Um, chapter 3 of verse 1, this is what Paul writes. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Never get tired. Of, um, I never get tired, excuse me, of telling you these things. And I, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those people, those evil people, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence. What We put no what confidence in what? Human effort, or you could say flesh, or human strength. So Paul, you have to understand, in this chapter, he's going to give his credentials. He's going to say, listen, if there's anyone here today who has the right to put their confidence, essentially, in themselves, it's me. And Paul gives a long list, I believe it's uh, uh, verses 5 through 7, a long list of his credentials of why, if anyone among them could put confidence in their human effort or their flesh, he would be that God. But let's look to see what he goes on to say in verse 7, after he gives those credentials. I once thought these things were valuable. What things? These credentials, these things, this, this, uh, this man who was circumcised at the uh, at, at, at eight years of age, I mean, that's just weird, but I guess he says it. Um, yeah, he, he said, the true uh, pure-blooded citizen of Israel, 
uh, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, it says in verse 5, if there ever was one. A member of the Pharisees. So he gives these credentials, but at 7 he says, I once thought these things were what? Valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Because what? What Christ has done. And then he goes on to talk about the value of growing the knowledge of Christ. In verse 8 he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So Paul, he just, again, gives his long spiel about how he is the man. Okay, he is a rock star. Okay, these guys eyes. And he said, but you know what, friends? In light of what Christ has done for me, I count it all as worthless, as rubbish, compared to growing, or compared to the infinite knowledge of Christ, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And again, he says this, if you look down in verse 10, I want you to know Christ and experience, I want to know, excuse me, Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way around, that's not the scripture verse, yeah, I was winding up there, not just, that fell there. Yeah. No, yes it is. Sorry, verse 10. It starts off, I didn't emphasize the no. I want to what? No Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. So Paul, again, puts what? An immense, he highlights, he puts a spotlight, if you would, on, on the value that he sees in what? Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and growing the knowledge of the Lord in Philippians 3. And essentially, it's what he is accusing the Hebrew people, for lack of better words, that's all the, the word first comes to mind, of being, of one, becoming dull. What was causing that dullness? They had stopped growing in the knowledge, possibly because they felt like they were all set, given the years that they had fallen the world. Can we relate to that? I can, I can relate to that. Just There's just some times where I just, I know that, I've heard that, yeah, know that. Some of you have probably heard this message before and know exactly where I'm going. And, and, and in you, you become so discontent, you become so despondent because they, the words no longer, like the, uh, the word dull translated in the Greek, that you have become hard to move. Nothing moves you. You're just like, yeah, great, great, awesome. Yeah, Carol's telling me nothing moves me. It's true, friend, and we need to safeguard ourselves. Our heart needs to be tender. It doesn't matter how much you've heard the same sermon, how much you've prayed the same prayer, how much you've sung the same song. Because, friend, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of the same going on. And you know what? We won't be bored then. And we, we surely won't be despondent. We won't be unengaged. We will be fascinated. And we will continue sing, continually sing one song and one song only. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we will sing it and sing it and sing it over and over and not one of us will complain. Proverbs 8.32 says this, Now then my children, listen to me in what? Obey my words. J. 
Jesus said in uh, John chapter 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And they what? They follow me. And these are just two scriptures. The scripture, when using the word listen, it's almost like this, this person who has, who has come out of a stupor and said, I hear, I hear. It's almost like a person who couldn't hear for a long time. I don't know, I mean, playing music for a long, for a long time, I think I'm deaf, so I mean, it's probably, you have to probably notice it's very loud, music's loud, but it's only because I've probably suffered hearing loss because I've just been around it so long. And there's, there's, there's just these moments when something flicks in my ear, I'm like, whoa, that's loud! And I come up, just turn that down! And it was like, hey man, that's the same level as it was just like five minutes ago. But it's almost like that when the scripture uses the words, listen, it calls you to attention. Oh, I hear, I hear, I'm listening, God. The people had witnessed and experience the good things of heaven if we read further on in chapter 6 we go back to Hebrews chapter 6 listen, this just goes on to further prove or to um, bring to light what Paul's talking about in terms of the years that these people have followed Christ, look at, look at what they experienced he says in verse 4 of chapter 6 for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who are enlightened those who have experienced what the good things of heaven and who have shared what? The Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God in the power of the age to come. Now, of course, I don't believe that Paul's saying it's impossible. But he is, he is putting up a big warning sign, if you would, to these people. He's like, do I have your attention? This is the danger you're in. It is hard to be brought back into fellowship with God when you have experienced tasted the power of the Spirit, when you have shared in the, the goodness of His Word, when you have experienced the power of the age to come, what? You, you, you need to tell me that we have the opportunity, even now, to experience the power of the age to come. What's the age to come? Well, when Christ returns, when we get into glory, that's powerful, but that's not my point. My point is, is that Paul has a big beyond sign, he's saying, Watch out, friend. Watch out. You're in danger. Of course, nothing is impossible with God. He knows this. But he's, he's trying to say, look how far you've fallen. You've shared all these wonderful things, all these wonderful gifts that God has to give. And yet, you, it's going to be very hard to try to bring you back into fellowship with God or bring you back to repentance. And I know it's not impossible. Why? Because many times in my life, yeah, my life is like a roller coaster of repentance. It's like, Lord, please forgive me. And then they say it's some failures and some, some, you know, whatever, giving in, feeding my flesh, and then some repentance. So I know in no way is Paul saying it is impossible. He is just trying to warn these guys of their condition. Verse 7 of chapter 6. He goes on to further drive the nail here. And he says, When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if the field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn the field and burn it. 
the Apostle Paul really just, he speaks not only to their culture right there, thank you, but he is, he is literally saying, guys, listen, if the water of God's word lands on your heart and does not produce any good crop, guess what's done? It's useless ground. It's useless ground. That's, that's heavy. But luckily, he softens the blow here. In verse 9, he softens the blow. He says, dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we don't really believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things that come from salvation. Now, it's almost like a contradictory right there. It, it almost like it, uh, it kind of confuses us. But listen, all this Paul's trying to do is soften the heavy blows. He's just trying to just, listen, there's so much more that Christ has to offer as you have received the gift of salvation. Let's read what Matthew Henry says. He gives some commentary on that particular verse. It's almost easy to get confused. Um, he's a well-known theologian. Um, he writes much commentary uh, about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, here he writes, uh, the writer has been describing in very stirred and solemn words the fate of apostasy. In illustrating it by, awful, by an awful metaphor of the earth which beareth thorns and thistles, and which is therefore rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Then he softens, in knowingly that a in knowing, excuse me, that a rebuke, a rebukes, rebukes are never so pointed as when the arrow is feathered by love. He changes his voice. And he says, but beloved, they needed the assurance in the midst of all Paul's heavy blows that this was done out of love and not hate, not accusation. Do you hear the hardness? So even though Paul was giving a hard word, he was also being a father. He was being a loving father. He's being a pastor. And he's trying to soften his blows. He said, no, this word is intended for them. It's, it's intended to get in their ears and to mess them up. But he, in the kindness and the mercy of God, softens them with that one statement. I, for me, I think that is awesome. Why? Because that's the way I would want to be treated. That's the way. And listen, I have, but I, I can't tell you now, walking in the ministry, walking with the Lord now for 14, 13, 14 years, I can't even remember how long it's been. I've had to, because of always being in leadership, always kind of, you know, being thrust into areas of helping and service and music and pastoring and discipling, I have always been kind of brought into the room, if you would, of, of the lead pastor. And I thank God for it, where the words didn't necessarily feel good in the moment. But hindsight, looking back, I'm like, thank you for that. Thank you, because what? That, to me, is real pastoring. See, we can sit here every Sunday and try to tickle your ears with things that you want to hear. And you know what? This thing, this, this church would grow astronomical. That's the funny thing about it. So when you start to do that, people just flock. It's interesting. We can do that. But you know what? I'd much rather be under and affect God when I am under a pastor that wants to give it to me the way it really is. 
He wants to deliver. Listen, it hasn't been easy. Am I saying I've always had the best response? Absolutely not. But looking back at it now, 45, I thank God for those times I was brought into the office. When I was challenged, when I was rebuked and friend, believe me, I was rebuked. And there would be every reason, every ground for me just to walk away. But you know what? I found something valuable in it. I found really the Lord's love in it, honestly. Because Daryl left unto himself, well, it's a scary man. He's a scary man. And sometimes it just takes that challenge, it takes that rebuke to kind of get me back on track. Friend, don't despise it. Don't walk away from it. Don't think, well, they're just trying to judge me and who are they are. Lean into it. It's good. It's good. Amen? And thank God that we have that example in Paul where he himself was able to be stern. He was able to deliver a hard word, but yet kind of soften the blow with love, respect. Because you know what? He respected, and you find it later in the chapter 6, he respected and valued the long time of service that they gave to the Lord. He respected that. I'm sorry, chapter 6. After verse 9, let's just read a couple verses as we go on. Verse 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget. Here's more mercy. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him. And how you have shown your love to Him by caring for others. As you still do. Verse 11. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving our great desire, sorry again, is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in the order, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Did you hear that? He, he brings hope into picture. Because I don't know, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you have hope over certain promises that the Lord has even has either spoken to your heart as an individual. You know, I have many promises. How many here have, have a list of unfulfilled promises that still have yet to uh, be accomplished or come to fruition? Okay, three of you have promises. That's good. The rest of you, I'm sorry. We'll hope for the Word of God. No. But who has promises here spoken to us by God? See, the main problem here in these people is they had what I like to call hope to first syndrome. They had a long list of promises and they had yet to see the fulfillment. And instead, like Paul says later on in chapter 6, to follow the example of those who had promises and had faith to endure in waiting for the fulfillment of those promises to come, you've become told. You've become spiritually dead. It was all because these people had lost hope in what? The promises. God spoke to us. Go on. Some of you are looking at me like I forget. Go easy. Put your listening ears on. 
Let's read verse 11 just in case you were not listening. He goes, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make what? Certain that what you hope for will come true. Verse 12, Then you will not become spiritually dull. Are you listening to Paul? Are you trying to use amazing? And indifferent. And instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. So, carry on, friend, in the way that you have shown the love of God in loving other believers. And in that love, maintaining that love, make sure that your heart is staying free from indifference and dullness as you wait on the promises of God. And what does he say? For example, in verse 13, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised him. Come on, sometimes the biggest battle is not the adversary, it's not the worst of the devil, it's not our flesh, it's just a matter of we will wait patiently for the fulfillment of the promise, or will we become jaded, indifferent, and dull? Some of you looking at me, listen, I have one head. Do I put the jacket back on? <laughs> you not should. What are you waiting on God for this evening? Man, I have a long laundry list of things that I am waiting on God for. And many of you know that because we pray almost every day. You hear me, my bleeding heart asking God for fulfillment of His promises. Guys, do you hear what I'm saying? There's a, a danger. We need to safeguard ourselves. Listen, we are a community, a community, excuse me, who is looking to God for great things, who, who in honesty, on the horizon, doesn't look any close than when it does seven years. I'll just be honest. Oh, that's just not faith. Well, excuse me. But there's a bit of reality here. And honestly, if I go by judging by my eyes, I honestly cannot see what I've been praying for seven years on the horizon. What do I do? I do. What are my options? To give up? To become jaded? The problem here is that these Hebrew people had lost their interest towards the things of God. They had become unconcerned, uninterested, uncaring, casual, nonchalant. Uninvolved, unenthusiastic, apathetic, lukewarm to the things of God. And it was all because they didn't know how to wait patiently for the fulfillment of what God had promised them. 
see so many Christians just start off good, especially when it comes to pursuing God in what the Lord has called or promised them. They start off well, but they finish. I, I myself, you know one reason why I stay consistent is because I have dropped the ball so many times and kind of just given up so many times. And I, I just, in this stage of my life, refuse to do that. I refuse this time be there five or 50 people in the house of prayer. I refuse to just toss in the towel and say, it's not going to happen. Just give it up. Just stop it. Become apathetic. I refuse to even go there with some kind of uninterested, you know, untouched, unmoved heart. I, I, I make a choice day in and day out to say, Lord, I am here again. Why? Because you've spoken to my heart. And you know what? You can take that to the bank. You, can, you don't have to just look at me as that example saying, well, you're just waiting on this epic move of God, this, this romantic fantasy. I'm just looking for uh, my bills to be covered come the end of the month. I'm just looking for a spouse. But you can put that right in that category. You can put it right there and say, God, Am I going to become shaded over this? Am I going to become uh, uh, unengaged, uninterested? Or am I going to wait patiently? That's good. In faith. Wait patiently. In faith. Say, in faith. In Come on, there's a lot of us waiting patiently, but there's we don't necessarily have that element of faith. Why? Because the years seem to wear at faith, don't they? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us just say, hey, that's the point. That's just why I'm sick. You know, you got to look at that scripture. you got to say, that's sick, that Proverbs 13, 13. It's not necessarily a good thing. If you're in this hope deferred state, you want to wake yourself up, friend. It's not an excuse. It's a warning. Come on, that's Because, <laughs> you know, I, only seven years now, eight years now, I think, whatever, I don't know, been, been praying. Consistently in that little house over at 135 Western Avenue. And you 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 hear it all the time. Why? Because we are praying for an epic moving God. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. That's the only way I can really categorize it. Um, we're praying and if I can just you meet people all the time. So, my hope is deferred. I'm just sick. I'm just I'm tired. It's been it's been ten days. <laughs> ten days. Get a backbone. Get some strength. Get some faith. Wait patiently. Have faith that endures. Am I beating you up today? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because we are so weak. We break a finger down on our whole identity. We just lose it. Oh my God. You see, you see what that brother did to me? I can't believe he said that. We are just, I just listen. What we suffer today, the hardships that we suffer today, are only getting us ready for that ultimate day. That's right. So if you can't stand now, friend, you most likely will not stand then. So what am I saying? Develop strength, develop faith that endures. Disqualify yourself. And even if you don't feel like it, do it anyways. 
That's what I do. People are like, oh, that's just bad, man. That's just wrong. Like, how do you do that? I have to. I want to. You understand what I'm saying? I want to. Funny story. And it, it, listen, this story pertains to somebody in this room, so please don't take it personally. It's fun. It's fun. And I didn't really connect with it until my, my wife brought it up. And again, love covers a multitude of sins. Oh my God. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. But, no, never mind. I'm not going to do it. It's just way too bad. <laughs> I can't do it. Sorry. Wow. Is that alright? Wow. I want to do it. It's like. Wow. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. It's fragile. It's fragile. No, it's not you. I can't do it. You. <laughs> no, 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 no. What am I saying? I don't know. I wanted to. I just like. I was like. And just under. <laughs> no, it's not. I feel the Holy Spirit on it. Hallelujah. Um, anyways, you understand what I'm saying? Guys, we need faith and endurance. We need to stand. We need to wait patiently as we see the example given to us in Hebrews. Abraham, who waited patiently. Listen, he had a phenomenal word. He was given a phenomenal promise. And you know what? He waited. Did he screw up? Yes. But you know what? He still, still persevered. He still waited patiently. I just have a charge to us. One is this. Are you spiritually built today? Listen, there are things. I, 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 so many times in the prayer room, so many times here, I'm like, there is so much more I want to explain. There's so many much more that I want to give, that I want to preach, that I want to speak about. But you know what? Honestly, I don't say this to buff myself up or to pride myself, but you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. But it's true. And so, and so what do I want to see? I want us to be a community that matures in the things of God. How do we mature? How do we mature? Well, we, we start to eat the meat of the Word. We stop just reciting uh, familiar and, 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 and going over an exhausting text up there as a such thing. But you understand what I'm saying? There's like the simple one, two, threes, and then there's really the meat of what God is saying. I want us to be a community that And again, I'm not trying to judge. I'm in this, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the, for the years. And I believe that just as Paul called out illness in this community, that this word applies to us today. It's for us today. And we need to safeguard ourselves from the spirit of dullness. How do we do that? We have to wait patiently. We have to uh, develop faith that endures the test of time. Ask for it. What are you waiting on today? What does God promise you? Let's close our eyes. Get a little music for